nothing comes close to you. And so, God, we just set our eyes once again on you. We set our hearts once again on you. God, we repent of going after things in this world. We repent, Lord, of of trying to find our satisfaction in anything that isn't you. And once again, God, we set our hearts on you. You're all we need. You're everything. You are the real thing. Oh, God, you're the one who satisfies. Lord, fill my family here. Fill my brothers and sisters, Lord, with your Holy Spirit right now. Oh, God, you empower us to live strong in this world, to live courageous, to live faith-filled. God, by your Spirit, the divine coach, Lord, you come and dwell with us and cause us to be strong. I just declare over you right now, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Whoever you are, whatever area of weakness you sense is in your life, right now I just declare over you, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. All things are possible to those who believe. So God, we just lift our faith up right now. We lift our eyes to you and we believe. We make the decision. We declare, Lord, tonight that we are a people who believe your word, believe what you say about us over everything that the world might try and throw at us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wonderful. Just stay in God's presence. Please take your seats. Are we on? We're on. Brilliant. That's great. Well, welcome. If you've just joined us online, a big, big welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. That's okay. If you can just take all your shoes and clothes and everything. <laughs> That'd be great. Right. So, um, <clears throat> thank you for joining us in person as well tonight. It's Easter Sunday. A lot of people, I think, have probably overindulged on the chocolate today. Um, and they are just kind of lying on their sofas, just about connecting with um, Sunday Night Local online. But um, some are, uh, and I'm talking to you, aren't I now? Um, And some are just uh, not even able to do that. But we are here. And uh, tonight is part five of the series that we're on at the moment, which is the Believer's Toolbox. And I've got lots to say tonight. So I'm going to get cracking uh, with part five. So part one, obviously, was an introduction to the toolbox itself. And speaking of uh, the fact that we are... (coughs) are God's vessels, the fact that his spirit dwells in us, um, that uh, God wants to move through our lives and um, what he wants to do comes from a revelation of his grace in our lives because um, charis is that word grace, charisma, which is the word that's translated gift. It's basically a revealing of God's grace through our lives. That's what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And we talked about uh, an overview of, of what the gifts are on week two. Week three, we spoke about the revelation gifts. Week four, Pastor Andy last week shared a fantastic message on the utterance gifts. And tonight I'm speaking about the power gifts. So um, these are, these are the, uh, the most spectacular and dramatic of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about them a little bit now. Um, and these are the gift of faith, the gifts of healings and the working of miracles. 
So they're commonly referred to as the power gifts. And uh, as Pastor Andy said last week, the first three, the revelation gifts, they, um, they reveal something. The utterance gifts, they say something. The power gifts, they do something. Okay, so this is about um, taking hold of those spiritual tools that God's given us to um, to do something for the glory of God. And we're going to speak about that tonight. So it says, we're going to just recap what it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11. So it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are, div- there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. To one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same spirit. To another, faith. We're going to talk about faith. Um, the gift of faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healings by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits to another different kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills so we've already spoken about the fact that the gifts of the spirit are a manifestation a revealing a showing a demonstration of God's spirit the spirit of grace that dwells in us Um, they're a demonstration of God's grace that saved us and that God wants to bring to the world around us that's what God wants to do His kingdom comes, his kingdom is revealed when we use the spiritual tools that God has given us. So these three power gifts, they are supernatural, they are extraordinary, and they are miraculous in the way that they manifest. They always meet practical needs in a specific moment or situation. That's um, the power gifts summed up. If you're going to clump them together and talk about what they are, they're supernatural, extraordinary, um, they're miraculous in the way that they manifest. Um, They always meet practical needs in the moment. So God's interested in the details of our lives. I hope you know that tonight, whether you're watching online or in person. God is very, very interested in the details of our lives. He cares when people are in need. He cares when people are suffering, when people are sick, when people are living under demonic influence or living in any kind of captivity. And you only have to walk out the door of this building tonight and you see it. You see uh, the... The, uh, the result of a fallen world. You see um, that the devil has been hard at work to steal, kill and destroy. But what an incredible thing when a person receives Jesus, the one who died and was buried and rose from the dead. When a person receives Jesus, they become subject to that abundant life that Jesus promised us. And, uh, and what an amazing thing it is to be free of any hold that the devil ever had over us. And that is the truth, that in Christ we are completely set free. We're set free from sin, we're set free from any power or authority that Satan ever held over us, and we are Christ's. We are the Lord's people. Amen. So, the power gifts, 
These three gifts that we're talking about tonight, they've been given to us by God to meet needs, to relieve suffering, to heal sickness, to deliver from demonic influence and to release people from captivity. That's why these gifts have been given to us. And in the Gospels, we see that Jesus used the spiritual tools, the gifts of the Spirit, all the time. He used faith, he used the gift of, gifts of healings and the working of miracles all the time. Everywhere he went, you saw the gift of faith, the gifts of healings and the working of miracles in action. Jesus regularly applied faith in order to do courageous things that he'd heard the Father tell him. He regularly uh, used the gifts of healings to heal the sick and Jesus regularly tapped into the gift of miracles to do the extraordinary things that God had called him to do. And we also see that the gifts of the Spirit are at work in the book of Acts through the apostles and the other disciples, not just the apostles, from many disciples. God wants believers today, 2,000 years later, to use these spiritual tools to bring the light of his kingdom into the darkness of this world. Amen? Good. So we agree that God wants to... Uh, to, for, to, for us to tap into the gifts of the Spirit, to take those spiritual tools that he's given us. So let's talk about the gift of faith. So each of these power gifts, remember, they do something. The gift of faith. Now, our, this spiritual tool is it's not talking about our daily walk of faith with the Lord. It's also not talking about the application of faith in circumstances where we're believing for God's promises to come to pass in our lives. The gift of faith is about, it causes us to gain insight into what God wants to accomplish in a moment and it supernaturally equips us to bring it to pass. I'm going to give some examples like I did last time for each of these gifts. It causes us to know what God wants to do and then boldly with no fear in our hearts it causes us to step out in faith and miraculously accomplish the purpose of God. This is what the gift of faith does. It's often accompanied with gifts of healings or with the gift of miracles as well. And this gift always points people to the Lord. If people are looking at us and saying, wow, you're remarkable, then somewhere along the line, we've got it wrong. Because actually what happens when you use the gifts of the Spirit is that people recognise that this is not of us, it's of God, and God is glorified through the gifts. Amen? Okay, so let's look at examples in Jesus' life of how the gift of faith was used. In Mark 4 verses 39 to 41, I'm just going to turn quickly there and read these couple of verses. They're going to be on the screen as well. Thank you, Jan. And it says this in Mark 4, 39 to 41. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But Jesus said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? 
And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So here, of course, is the, uh, the account of when Jesus and the disciples were traveling across the Sea of Galilee and there was this great storm that arose. Jesus is in the hull of the boat, just sleeping, soundly sleeping, unfazed by the storm. The disciples come to Jesus, cry out to him for help. And in that moment, the gift of faith is exercised. Jesus shows absolutely no fear in the midst of this storm. What he does, he stands up, he rebukes the wind and he commands the waves to cease and immediately there was a great calm um, on that sea. This was something that was supernatural. It, the, the storm just doesn't stop like that. This was a supernatural happening. It could not have happened in the natural. The gift of faith caused Jesus to see what the Father wanted to do in this moment and then took, then Jesus took action by calming the storm. There was no fear in the heart of Jesus as this happened and God was glorified through this. Uh, and it says that the disciples, they, they marvelled and um, uh, verse 41 there, we just read it. Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? So their hearts were drawn to the Lord. Another occasion when Jesus used the gift of faith um, was in Luke 4, verses 28 to 30, which we're just going to have a quick read of. Now in this passage, Jesus, just prior to this, proclaims that he's the Messiah by reading from the scroll in the synagogue. And he, tells, he then goes on to tell everyone that because of the lack of their faith, he wasn't able to do any miracles among them. Uh, they were basically raging at this, and they proceeded to drag him to the top of the hill, um, to the edge of the cliff, and they were going to throw him off the cliff. However, in this moment, Jesus took hold of the gift of faith, and he followed the Father's instructions by simply boldly, with no fear, again, walking through the crowd that wanted to throw him off of the cliff. God was glorified in this because then Jesus immediately went on and preached the kingdom, uh, delivered those who were uh, bound by demons and healed the sick. Um, so Jesus exercised the gift of faith. So this, this wasn't about his walk of faith with the Father. It wasn't about a journey of faith. It was about moments where great faith uh, kind of burst forth from the heart of Jesus. And then we see it in the, in the lives of the apostles as well. In Acts 16, 25 to 34, um, I'm not going to read that whole thing, but Paul and Silas um, are in prison. And they're in prison because they cast a demon out of a girl who was making money for people by fortune telling. Um, so they came along, saw the kingdom of darkness at work and said, this isn't right. Let's deal with this. So they cast this demon out of this girl. And of course, those who were getting the money for her fortune telling couldn't receive the money anymore. So they were pretty mad as well. They were pretty upset. And they decided, the authorities decided to throw Paul and Silas into prison. Yet in the midst of this situation, so I'm not going to read it all. I'm not going to read any of it, am I? Um, I kind of told you the story now. So in the midst of this situation, 
the gift of faith arose in their hearts. And what did they begin to do in the prison? They began to sing hymns. They began to praise God in the midst of what was a, a, a dire situation. Um, they, their hearts were just filled in this moment with great faith. And what happened? There was an earthquake of some sort and the prison was shaken and the doors flung open. And of course the Philippian um, jailer absolutely freaked out because he thought he was going to get into a lot of trouble. Um, but of course they then led him to Jesus, didn't they? In their hearts, in these moments, there was no fear. And I keep mentioning the fact that there's no fear because um, that's a trait of the gift of faith. Um, the gift of faith is it, it's such great faith that there is no fear. There's no space for fear in our hearts in these moments when the gift of faith is in operation. They were released from prison and they led the Philippian guard to Jesus. So again, Jesus was glorified through this and that's another trait of the gift of faith. It always leads to Jesus being glorified. Then Acts 27. I absolutely love this story in Acts 27 and this is, uh, this is when <clears throat> Paul and a whole bunch of his um, the people that are working with Paul are on a ship and uh, they get hit by a storm and the ship is totally destroyed by the storm and they get washed up on the beach of Malta. I guess there's worse places to get washed up, isn't there? Um, so they get washed up on the beach of Malta. So in the midst of this storm, that would end up destroying this ship. I just want to read a couple of verses here. Verse 21 from Acts 27 says this. So after a long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me. <laughs> I love that. You should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete in this and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. If I was one of those people that was listening to Paul right there, I'd be like, okay, take heart. I'm not going to die but the ship that I'm on is going to get totally destroyed. <laughs> I just think that's really funny. I can't even tell if you do or not, because you've got these silly masks on. But they're good because they stop the spread of the virus. Do not be afraid. So, um, where am I? <laughs> Focus. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted you and all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island. And that, of course, that island was Malta. So anyway... Uh, they're in the middle of this storm. It ends up destroying the ship. But Paul is able to speak to the crew and to the passengers and say, take heart. There's no fear in Paul. The gift of faith is at work in this moment. And um, because of this, because of his words of hope, because of the instructions that he gives them, um, <clears throat> they survive. And again, God is glorified through this because, of course, Paul, when on the island, well, he just goes on to preach the gospel. You see that in Acts 28. So, personal examples, well, um, I think the gift of faith is probably more in operation than we realise. <clears throat> I think there's probably moments in my life when I have, I've simply acted in faith and not even thought about it. Uh, and that's probably 
uh, a good thing because it means that the Holy Spirit is, is dwelling in me and working through me. Um, it's those times when we just know that God's instructing us to do something and we catch his will in our hearts and we step out courageously in faith to do what we believe God is instructing us to do. There's no explanation. There's no, let's stop and think about this for 24 hours. It's just, you catch the heart of God, you know what you've got to do, and you step out in faith. Um, <clears throat> here's a, a kind of example of this. I, I think um, in the moment it really felt like God was working. Um, so just over a year ago, Family Church joined the Assemblies of God, which is a large uh, movement of churches in the UK. There's about 600 churches uh, that are part of the Assemblies of God. So this was in January 2020. And just a few months before this, Pastor Andy kind of randomly shared with the eldership of Family Church that he felt that God might be leading us into the AOG. So then we met with uh, the national leader of AOG, which is actually Glyn Barrett. He runs Audacious Church in Manchester. So God's... Uh, God's just favoured him and just given him such, um, well, promoted him to this, this um, position. And, um, and we made the decision for Family Church to come into the AOG. Now, this was a big step of faith for us because for a large church like ours, it costs quite a lot to be part of a movement like this. Um, but we all had fear about it. There was no uh, fear. We all had faith about it. Um, there was no fear in our hearts regarding this decision and we really <clears throat> sensed that God was in it. <clears throat> and, uh, and it really has proved to be a decision that God was and is in because we're now part of a movement that, is, that God is clearly working massively through. It's so exciting. Uh, we've been part of some, uh, some leadership conferences that they've done. It's just so exciting to see the, the calibre uh, of leaders that are involved with the AOG and to be part of that. Um, also, uh, we made our first monthly payment to AOG about a month before lockdown kicked in, but we've seen God's provision to us as a church, as a church during this time. And also, we've had some incredible support, some amazing resources available to us during some really difficult times, speaking of the pandemic and also uh, what happened in our Guildford congregation at the end of last year, the start of this year. And if you don't know what, what happened, then you can speak to me later. Um, but, um, you know, uh, the relationship that we have with the Assemblies of, of God has just been absolutely uh, God-ordained. Uh, and, and it was so random, it was so sudden, um, the decision to join that movement. But God was clearly in that decision. Now I want to speak about gifts of healings. So this spiritual tool, I mean, it's a quite an obvious one, really. This spiritual tool releases God's healing power in a specific moment to someone who is sick. It's often preceded by a word of knowledge um, or by the gift of faith. Um, the gifts of healings, again, is, is supernatural, it's extraordinary, and it brings glory to God. So let's look at some examples in the life of Jesus of the gift of healing, the gifts of healings in operation. Um, I don't know why it's plural. I think because there are many sicknesses, um, there are many ways that this gift is manifest through a believer's life. And that's the only explanation I can really come up with um, as to why this one specifically is translated plural, gifts of healings. So... Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. Now, this is when 
Jesus comes to Peter's house after speaking in the synagogue. I'm just going to turn there, read these couple of verses. Mark 1. Everyone all right? Okay, not too hot? Not too cold? Okay, just right then. I'm always hot. Verse 29. Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's Simon's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, lay sick with a fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. So she went from being sick with a fever, very, very sick with a fever, to basically making them dinner. Um, and that just doesn't, you know, someone doesn't just suddenly get up and, and feel better, do they? Jesus came into the house, and the gift of healing was an operation. He brought healing to her life. This was a specific moment, specific situation where God's power was released to heal. One of the reasons I shared that one is because God's interested in all the details of our lives, even the little stuff. Because you might think, well, a fever, that's not, not, not a big deal, not a great miracle. Well, it was great for... Uh, Peter's mother-in-law, wasn't it? And, and actually, um, I think, before we turn to tablets and medicine, um, we should always be uh, seeking uh, healing from God. Because ultimately, God is our healer. And, um, and he desires to heal his children. He desires that we are whole. Um, and I'm not saying there's not a place for medicine, because I really believe there is. And, um, and I haven't worked it all out yet, but clearly um, sometimes there is simply a scientific way or a medical way of, of someone being healed as well. Um, but what I am saying is that God is well able. He is well able and he's very interested in all the little details of our lives, as we see here. Now in Luke chapter 5, we see another example of healing through Jesus. Luke 5, verses 12 to 13. I'm just going to read this as well. And it says here in Luke 5, 12 to 13. And it happened when Jesus was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. we we'll stop there. So, a leper here comes to Jesus, asks for healing. He says, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. He's, he's asking Jesus, Lord, are you willing to heal me? And of course, Jesus' answer is immediate, I am willing. And it wasn't just words, it was action as well. He then immediately healed the leper. So in this specific moment, the gift of healing was an operation where the leper became whole and healed. And again, I just wanted to bring that example because it shows us that God is willing. God desires to heal. Um, and, and God desires to do that. All we have to do is reach out to him. Now I know there are many who have reached out to God and haven't seen uh, the healing that you've desired. Does that does that mean that God 
doesn't heal. No, it doesn't. God heals. That's what God does. He is willing. He desires to heal his children. He desires for us to be in wholeness. There are many factors, I think, sometimes uh, that can cause us to not see immediate healing. But this is where I come at it from. I always expect God to heal. And I think if you come expecting God to heal, you're more likely to see it. Um, I, I, I don't think it's even a question that we should ask Lord, would you like to heal me in this situation? Of course God wants to heal you. God, that's what God does. He is the creator of all things. He made us perfect. He made a perfect world. He put um, his creation in it to enjoy the perfect world. The world is messed up. It's fallen. We live in a fallen world. There is lots of sickness and disease. Um, There are things that happen in life, accidents that happen that cause us to be unwell, sick, in pain and so on. Does God want to heal? Absolutely, yes, he does. It's, It's a fundamental truth that must be established in our hearts. So we should always reach out to God for healing. Um, We are his ambassadors. Also, we're God's ambassadors on earth. So that means that God wants to work through us to bring healing to other people as well. Now, there's a couple of examples in the book of Acts of the gift of healing in operation. Everyone okay? Okay, good. So, um, in Acts chapter 3, verses 4 to 8, let's read what happens here. This is Peter and John. They're walking into the temple. And who's sitting at the the gate to the temple? Gate beautiful, a, a lame man. And this man is begging at the gate to the temple. And they stop and they interact with him. And I was just thinking... Uh, you know, sometimes it's good to be ready to stop. Sometimes we're so busy, aren't we? It's, we're so busy and we walk past so much need all the time. And actually God wants us to be ready to stop sometimes and interact with people and have a conversation. And, uh, and also at the same time be speaking with him and asking him what he wants to do. Um, and so Peter and John, they, they got this really, really right here, I think. They used this spiritual tool, the gift of healing, to bring healing to this man who sat at the gate begging. He'd never walked, even from birth, he'd never walked. Um, yet they, they speak to him and they say, we, silver and gold we haven't got, but what we do have, uh, we give to you. Rise up and walk in Jesus' name. And he rises, they help him up, he gets to his feet and he is fully healed. The gift of healing is working in that moment, that very moment there. It's in operation there. And, uh, and God, God, of course, was glorified through this because in verse 10 of that passage, I didn't read any of that either, but in verse 10 of that passage, it says, the people were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. People's hearts were directed towards God here. And then in Acts chapter 28, I mentioned this just now, but after being shipwrecked on the island of Malta, Paul used the gift of healing to bring healing to the father of a lead citizen of the island of Malta, the governor, I guess you could call him. Verses 7 to 9 of Acts 28 says this. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, or Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of 
Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed and he laid his hands on him and healed him. And so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honoured us in many ways and then we departed and they provided such things as were necessary. Isn't this amazing? So Paul's shipwrecked. Uh, just after he gets bitten by a snake, shakes it off, they all think he's going to die, think, oh great, he got saved from a shipwreck, but now he's got bitten by a snake and he's going to die. Um, so obviously he must have done something really bad, but of course he's not even affected by the snake bite. And then uh, this guy uh, asked him to pray for his father. And Paul prays for this man and he's healed. And then the whole of the island, anyone who's sick, comes to Paul and they're all healed. The gift of healing is in operation in this moment here. And of course, uh, you know, through this healing of, of uh, Publius's or Publius's um, father, uh, the rest of the island come and they receive their healing. So God is glorified in this moment here. Now, Again, personal examples. Well, I've been asked many, many times to pray for people who are sick. On many occasions, it's been an absolute joy to see people be healed instantly, uh, without striving, without drama, just praying for people and seeing God's healing come. And that's wonderful, but I would say there are probably more occasions when I've not seen an instant healing miracle, sadly. And I'm saying this because as I've been studying about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I've personally felt really challenged to make much better use of the spiritual tools that God has given me. And the issue isn't that I don't believe that God can heal. As I've already said, I absolutely, 100% with all of my heart, believe that God can heal and is willing to heal. Um, the issue is, I think, that I've often made the mistake of trying to bring God's healing without using the right tool. It's like when you do DIY, and uh, in fact, I was doing some DIY this afternoon. I was making a, uh, in my mother-in-law's garden, I was making a swinging seat in the back garden. I was putting it together, and I had no tools with me. All I had was the little spanner thing and the Allen key that came with the swinging seat. And... Um, and it was okay, but it wasn't great, and it took probably at least twice as long as it would have if, if I'd have had decent tools to use. And, um, and I was thinking to myself the whole time, if only I had the right tools for this job. And I think that's sometimes the issue, is, is that um, in situations where I pray for the sick, I actually don't step back and take time to take hold of the gift of healing that God is presenting to me. It's in my toolbox. God's holding it out to me. But sometimes I, I'm kind of almost got my back to the Lord, kind of doing my own thing, ministering healing, forgetting that actually God wants to supernaturally flow through and bring healing into, into this person's life um, simply by his Holy Spirit. So the other thing is, I just said, you know, I've been asked many times to pray for people. Well, let's remember that every one of us has access to this spiritual tool. Your pastors don't have some advanced toolbox that you don't have access to. Our toolbox is the same as yours. Um, and, and these are quality tools. These are, you know, Stanley and Makita and all the other decent tools that you can get. This wasn't an advert, by the way, I'm not being paid. Um, 
but you know we've all got the same toolbox and it's our job uh, the, what I guess what defines my role is that it's my job to equip and train the saints to do the work of the ministry but every one of us we're called to do the work of the ministry and one of the best ways that I can equip and train is to lead by example so it's just this has been really good for me because it's challenged me to say right I want to take hold of these gifts of the Holy Spirit more than I've ever taken hold of them I want God to work through my life more than I've ever seen before this last one is um, going to be a little bit quicker, not because I've got less to say, just because I probably need to start finishing soon. That's good, isn't it? Start finishing soon. That means nothing. <laughs> uh, so it's the, 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 uh, the gift of the working of miracles, the working of miracles. Now, again, this tool releases a miracle in a specific moment. The very nature of this gift supersedes natural laws and thinking, it's the gift that can be explained in no other way than it was a miracle. It's doing the undoable. It's often preceded by one of the revelation gifts or by the gift of faith. It has no boundaries. It changes impossibility into possibility and it always brings glory to God. So let's just look at an example from Jesus. Well, uh, to me, when I started thinking about this, the most obvious one was uh, the wedding at Cana in Galilee, which um, is probably the one that I speak about most because, you know, when you do lots of weddings, you always talk about the wedding at Cana in Galilee. To uh, so just back up the fact that Jesus is into marriage. So John 2 verses 3 to 10. I'm not going to read this actually, but at this wedding, as you know, Jesus turns water into wine. Now, in the natural, this was completely impossible. You can't just turn water into wine. It's not possible. Um, and this supernatural occurrence took place when Jesus took hold of the gift of the working of miracles, releasing a miracle in that moment. God was glorified through the miracle because from that time, people began to put their faith in Christ or in Jesus as, as the Christ, as their Messiah. And also in Matthew chapter 14, verses 25 to 33, um, this is where, again, they're sailing, the disciples are sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus has sent them ahead of him. And then he's in another boat catching up with them. And there's some very high winds. And suddenly, the disciples become aware of Jesus walking on the water from his boat towards their boat. And that's a miracle. The gift of the working of miracles is in operation in Jesus' life right now. In the natural, this was completely impossible. This supernatural occurrence takes place because Jesus simply takes hold of the gift that the Father is holding out to him, the working of miracles. He walks across the water and, of course, God is glorified through this incident as well. It says in verse 33 of Matthew 14, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. In the book of Acts, a couple of examples here. Philip, everyone know Philip the evangelist? He is preaching to the Ethiopian eunuch. He leads him to Christ. He baptises him. And this all happens uh, on the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. They're in the desert. And, uh, and this incredible thing happens where, where the Ethiopian eunuch um, puts his faith in Jesus. Um, then suddenly, the next thing we know 
he is, he's, he's supernaturally transported or translated to a place called Azotus, which um, was Ashdod in the Old Testament. This is a miracle. It's a supernatural happening that took place, took place, <laughs> took place in, in the moment um, there. And it simply took place because Philip was in touch with the gifts of the Spirit. He had access to the tools, the spiritual tools that God was giving him. And in that moment, this miracle took place. He went from one place to another in the Spirit. Incredible. Acts chapter 20, another example. This is Richard's favourite story in the book of Acts. This is where Paul is preaching a long, boring message. And... um, Eutychus or Eutychus falls out of the third story window and um, because he falls asleep he's sitting in the window falls asleep smacks on the ground he's dead and uh, so Paul immediately they stop what they're doing he stops preaching everyone's like break and Paul runs downstairs and he throws himself onto Eutychus's body and life comes back into him this is a miracle. It couldn't have happened in the natural. Um, and, and God is glorified through this miracle. Now, <clears throat> personal examples. When I was preparing to speak tonight, I was trying to think of moments when I've seen miracles take place in my life or in the church. And to be honest, um, there's, there's a number of, of supernatural happenings that have taken place that only God could have been involved with. But I found they're all, when I was trying to think, I was like, oh, they're a bit lame, a bit soft, you know, a bit not sort of spectacular. Um, but I think there's two things to note here. Number one is, is it, it's not always spectacular. The supernatural is not always spectacular. Um, the extraordinary isn't always dramatic. Um, so that's one thing. But also, again, it, it, just, it just reminds me that this gift is available, and this is probably the least used gift in the modern church, the gift of the working of miracles. And it just causes me to say, right, I want more of this. God, I want to put myself out there, and I want to tap into this gift. I want to take hold of this spiritual tool and be someone that you use to bring miracles into other people's lives. Anyone want the same? I want, I want the, the gift of the working of miracles to be flowing through my life. Um, however, I did um, do a little bit of research online and I typed in a couple of things. I typed in miracles today, examples of miracles today, and there are, there's masses of stuff out there. God is working, as you know, in this world. And it's not just about this journey of faith. The journey of faith is really important. It's probably the most important thing. Our journey with God, our pilgrimage through this world, our trusting God for his promises to come to pass in our lives. Um, But actually, there are moments, there are many, many moments where God steps in and miracles take place. So if you want to encourage yourself, just type into Google um, or whatever search engine you use, Yahoo, Bing. Um, uh, Type in modern day example of miracles or something like that and there is just it's it's just encouraging and inspiring to read so just to finish off god doesn't force these spiritual tools these spiritual gifts on us does he he's put them all in a toolbox and he's given us the toolbox and he's not just left us on our own he's actually every time we 
we, we are in a situation where one of these tools would be useful. Um, the way I see it now is that God is there and he's taking the tool out and he's saying, here, take the tool, take the tool. The Holy Spirit, our divine coach is saying, come on, this is what you need for this job. This is going to cause you to get this job done really, really effectively. And, um, <clears throat> but we can't use those spiritual tools if we don't take them from God when he's holding them out to us. Every one of us could be using these gifts more. Does everyone agree with me? You could be using these power tools um, more often. These power gifts, these power tools. So it begins by desiring these gifts, as it says in 1 Corinthians 12, that we should desire the greater gifts. Um, not to have them as trophies for our own glory, um, but to use them as tools for God's glory. And like I said before, God would rather ha us have a, a well-used, kind of worn-out, chipped, paint-rubbed-off tool than a trophy on our shelf. Amen? So every time we use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, these spiritual tools, we're bringing glory to God, aren't we? We're bringing God's kingdom near in this world. We're causing the light of God's kingdom to shine in the darkness of this world. And, and my prayer is that we would uh, even off the back of this, that we would be inspired to use these tools to a greater extent. Let's pray as we finish now. Father, I thank you. I thank you that uh, you are constantly teaching us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are our divine teacher. I thank you, Lord, that everything that we need to be great ambassadors for your kingdom, God, you've given us in this toolbox. Um, Lord, I thank you that uh, we would be a people now who wouldn't just have the theory, who wouldn't just know the kind of things you want to do, wouldn't just know that it's your will to heal, to deliver, to set free, but God, that we would, we would truly take hold of those gifts of your spirit um, that we would allow you to work through our lives. And God, I pray that we wouldn't have our back turned to you, but the very first thing we do when we find ourselves in a situation where a word of knowledge is needed or a prophecy is needed or um, where faith is needed or where a miracle is needed, the very first thing we would do is to turn towards you and reach out and take what you've got on offer for us. So we commit ourselves to doing that. God, I pray that every person here tonight, Lord, would be blessed. Thank you for this, this weekend where we remember, Jesus, you did so much for us. You do so much for us. And we are so grateful to you. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks.